Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 79, which begins with Ash asking, what would you like me to do? And ends with Ripley, presumably, typing an access code into Mother. And we are joined once again today by Tyler Smith and David Bax from the Battleship Pretension Podcast. Thanks for coming back, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, Tyler, I wanted to ask you a question real quick. A uh, long time ago, when we first started this podcast, I reached out to you guys to do this show, and I asked you what minutes you wanted to do, and these were the minutes. Do you remember why you chose these minutes in particular? Well, it's it was I gave you a span, and I liked the the sort of the which which would have covered beyond the the, the five minutes, but uh, I like when um, when Dallas is in the the mother control room or whatever you want to call it uh, before he goes into the vent, and then I like this moment with Ripley. Uh, after all of this, um, I think it's there's some really nice bookends there, um, and I think it's just <clears throat> first off, I think that the art direction for the computer room again, whatever you want to call it, mother, um, I feel like it just looks so different than the rest of the ship. Um, first off, you know it's all these blinking lights. It does seem smaller. It's it's painted white instead of you know kind of these dark uh, grays and and blacks and browns and stuff. Um, and then the sound that they have, it sounds like it's breathing. Um, I remember some, uh, hearing somebody somewhere compared to sort of a womb type area and it's called mother. Um, and so just the, it feels so different. It does feel kind of safe, which of course makes this moment when Ash is able to show up w- without being detected. Um, it's, uh, it's what makes it all the more creepy that somebody that is not super trustworthy um, has infiltrated this, uh, this safe place. And so uh, there's a lot of reasons that I, I think from Dallas uh, talking to mother to Ripley talking to mother and then being confronted by Ash, I feel like that's for me the most effective section of the film. Um, just from a horror standpoint, from an art direction standpoint, from a performance standpoint, um, I think it has everything that somebody would want in a movie like this. Um, and I say that as somebody that really appreciates the first 40 uh, minutes of the film in which, quote-unquote, nothing happens. But I feel like this is a very effective uh, sequence of events. Agreed. It's really good. We've talked a little bit about this set design and how, like, initially when Dallas first goes into Mother, how it's we're on this kind of archaic, like, old ship. And then suddenly he just walks into the future. He's suddenly there. And uh, it's a great juxtaposition. It's nice to have. And like you said, the womb, the brain. It's it's sort of a cerebro kind of place, too. You know, there's all kinds of things that could be read into it. And it is about, in a way, it's really simple. It's blinking lights and monitors. But it works really good in juxtaposition with the rest of the ship, I think. But there is that one really symmetrical shot looking straight on. And it's hard not to think of how with the one yeah. small TV screen and then and just the way that the shot is laid out. It's it's and maybe that's good because this does seem to fall into that group of science fiction movies that says computers and artificial intelligence are not to be trusted. Yeah, I think there's they're playing with that idea here and we talked about it in the last minute where uh Tyler you said that Ripley equates Ash and Mother together and how that's playing with this idea of, you know, the computer being the, the antagonist possibly 
And I think we go into Mother, we're in the computer, and we get this very Kubrickian shot, this very symmetrical shot of the, you know, what could be the eye of Mother. And I think they're playing with this idea. They're still trying to distract us or, or, or yeah, misdirect us a little bit. The idea of the computer being the villain, I feel like, and and, and as we come to discover the robot being the villain, um, I think what Alien brings to that is that, well, they're the villain only insofar as they are the instrument of villainy, um, which is to say the company. And... You know, a robot's not going to question, is just going to take orders, as is the computer. And there's nothing you can do to fight against that. Um, you know, when they fight Ash or when they fight Mother, they're, gen- they're actually fighting the company, but the company is not there. They're there only in the form of these two things. Yeah, I think that that invisible echo of the company that's represented by Ash and by, uh, by Mother, uh, th- there's so many of these invisible echoes through this movie uh and there's one in this minute too before she walks in to mother she goes through the steps in the hallway that we saw dallas go through he's the only person we've seen do that so there's this invisible echo of dallas as she stepped in to take in his place and she's doing the exact thing that he would do before he went into mother and it's just one more interesting piece of, of sort of storytelling symmetry that locates us lets us know where we are and it also um one of the things I think that is most revelatory about this minute by minute way of watching a movie is in these um, sections that are, I mean, th- this minute is other than the beginning, it's mostly dialogue free um, and it really divorcing that from the rest of the, of the story and just seeing the things you're talking about, just the, the process of going to the hallway and she has to open the thing and pull the thing out and go to the other side and close the door and sit in the chair. Like uh, it gives you an appreciation for uh, just the art and technique of filmmaking on a, on a micro level and realize that filmmaking isn't just like, um, you know, telling the big story. It's, uh, at every moment in the, whatever the 125 minutes over the runtime of uh, alien is, um, uh, every moment of that has to be film made <laughs> if you, if you will, da- uh, down to, down to every, uh, every frame. Um, and I think, uh, this and, in the parallel editing with, uh, Parker in the, uh, armory or whatever that is supposed to be um is a fantastic uh just way of looking at uh what what a great filmmaker uh this guy is and i also wonder sometimes whether that's helped out even more by the fact that the movie was kind of a low budget movie and it was made on a really strict schedule and so that combined with his meticulous nature gives you a movie where everything counts and not to sound like an old fart, but I see so many movies now where every shot doesn't count. Every cut doesn't count. And it's, you know, it's too bad because there's something to be said for precision. Mm-hmm. Well, here. There was one particular cut that was made here that I wanted to bring up um, and talk about. Maybe we could all discuss the choice made here. Um, there's there's reasons we've talked about already for why this choice might have been made, but there's other things I wanted to talk about, and that's that the scene, the meeting scene at the table ends with Ripley and Lambert are the only ones left at the table, and they give each other a look, and then we cut away. Now, in the director's cut, for some reason, we get an extra beat where Ripley stands up, and then they cut away. I have no idea why. But originally, there was a scene here between Ripley and Lambert, 
where when Ripley stands up, she walks around the table and she gently, like very calmly approaches Lambert, who's still freaking out. And she sits on the table next to her and starts to comfort her and tell her that this is the only way. There's nothing else that can be done. And Lambert's still panicking. And they have this entire conversation about what they should do next. And basically Ripley, instead of yelling her down the way she did Parker, she's gently talking Lambert into going along with the program. And then um, suddenly Ripley, I think she might even literally say change of topic. I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining that. <laughs> she says, do you ever sleep with Ash? And Lambert cracks. She, she laughs a little bit. She says, what? And Ripley asked her again. And she says, I never got the idea that he was interested and it's this moment of levity right here that we don't get ever anything that even to even replace that moment of levity in the uh, final cut of the movie. But there, there's reasons why this would be cut. But one of the things I wanted to bring up is that this is like the last time we we're ever going to have a chance to humanize Lambert. And they cut it. They dropped it right on the floor. <laughs> and it was a nice human moment where she actually had a, a moment of slight joy where she was able to laugh at this absurd, you know, awkward question. Did you guys know anything about this cut scene? I knew that that dialogue took place at, or, or at least in the script at some point, but I didn't know it was at this moment, which is actually remarkably interesting. Yeah. It's what's going on here is that um, instead of the mother scene that we get, there was going to be this whole like action adventure sequence where they're trying to trap the alien again. And this was in the screenplay and they're going to trap the alien again. And Ash sets off this alarm that scares the alien off. So they're not able to trap it. But this is all part of Ripley's continued investigation of Ash. She's now asking, well, she's starting to get very suspicious. And whether she's actually suspicious of him as an android, I don't know. But she does want to know if anyone's had any intimate experience with Ash to get to know maybe a little bit more about him. And uh, one of the things, uh, the, the character moment that happens here, I think, is that Ripley and Lambert are kind of making up after... The incident of earlier, which is only in the director's cut, where Lambert Colcocks Ripley outside of the infirmary. So in that sense, it's definitely not necessary if that's not there. But Was that photographed, that scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. watched the scene. You can watch it on YouTube. I'll post it on the Facebook page. But Wow, that's really weird. So that is more explanation for why there's that 80-yard moment where Ripley's in the foreground, but you can't really see her mouth and... Ash has got his back to the camera, and that's when she says, I have access to Mother. I'll get my own answers. Yeah. So, And that's an ADR line. Maybe it was because they came up with that scene after they'd shot that. I don't know. Yeah. So it, it's interesting what they've, did on the, what they've done on the fly here. But I, I lament this human moment for Lambert a little bit because it would have been nice to give yeah. her something because she doesn't get anything for the rest of the movie. I think it's definitely, um, I can understand it from a character standpoint, but at the same time, I can also understand the desire to move things ahead. And at the same time, I could also see that if you're, if, if in the next scene you're going to show that Ash is a, a threat and then it's revealed what he, what he really is, um, it almost seems like you're setting that up a little bit too much by having a discussion about Ash before, like directly before that. Um, and so, uh, so I can see why that was taken out. Um, but also just the idea of, okay, the, the plot is in motion. People are dying now. It's time to move on. And so that, to me, that little look that they share is actually really, is very nice. Um, and I think it's worth noting that that look is shared between two, the only two women on the crew. And it's 
after a scene in which Parker has been argumentative and remarkably, uh, I'd say, not masculine, but macho. He's been kind of macho. And then uh, Ash has been just unhelpful and disrespectful. And so the two men leave, leaving these two women. Mansplaining. They, they, oh, that's that's perfect. Uh, Ash is a big man. Mansplaining about collating. Yeah. <laughs> he, he mansplains about changes in air density and everything else. Yeah. yeah. So that moment between these two women, as one could say, I don't think this is a big theme of the film or anything like that. But in that moment, you could say it's like these men are failing, you know, like Kane failed to be careful. Uh, Dallas failed to go the right way or just, you know, even if nobody's failing in a way that they can even necessarily be blamed for, it's just like, you know, I guess, you know, either we're in this together or I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of meaning in that look, particularly in my view, because it's these two women. Brett failed to get the cat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too, in terms of not needing that setup for Ash is it's super important that we hate him as a human being and that we don't hate him as anything else at this point. For that really to work, the shock of the re- the reveal that he's a robot, you don't even want to be thinking about the fact that there's anything inhuman about him, you know, which is what yeah. that question I think about, did you ever sleep with him, is supposed, not, not to mention all the other th- things that that makes you wonder about how life goes on on this ship. And it's a little late for that in the narrative. Uh, so we have to hate him as a person. So when he gets his head knocked off... We're really shocked by that. Yeah. I think the implication, you alluded to this just now, the the implication of sex on the ship, that would have needed to have been set up earlier, and it would have probably been set up had they kept the Ripley-Dallas relationship in the story. But without that, we've talked about it a little bit, the sexualization being in the subtext, being in the the design of things, the, the, the... phallic and vaginal design and keeping it down there. I think that's a better way. I, we don't really need it to be on the surface with the characters actually behaving in a sexual manner or having any kind of sexual history with each other. To me, this is the situation where, like I was saying, I, I would like for Lambert to get another moment, but it's one of the sad facts of editing a film. Sometimes you have a scene that that has three different angles coming at you. And one angle, if two of the angles don't work, or even if one of them doesn't work, you don't get any of them and you got to cut it and let it go. So unfortunately, it's just Lambert's bad luck again. The whole story of the transformation of this movie from Dan O'Bannon's script to Walter Hill's script is all about minimalism. Everything about it is stripping this thing down to being this minimalist machine. And so I'm going to always argue for minimalism because it sure seems to work here. Yeah, I mean, Ridley Scott really brought that. I mean, he did a lot to, to bring this to a scope that was more manageable for this production and thankfully he's still doing that to this day he's still this minimalist <laughs> filmmaker that never he's he's yeah, just stuck gonna, to his guns oh, all yeah. these years yeah, i was gonna point out that he he went back and uh made the uh the sex no longer subtext in in, in prometheus oh, yeah and, uh, oh. that was clearly the best decision well in the you guys have listened to the commentary on the blu-ray i forget if we talked about the this part, he he talks about this moment. He doesn't talk about the whole scene, but he talks about over this scene, the sexual relationships possible uh, between the crew members. And he talks about the possibility of there being a lesbian relationship between Ripley and Lambert. 
And he literally says, if I was making this movie now, I probably would have gone ahead and done it. (laughs) So I'm like, well, you're being very honest about yourself, Mr. Scott. Thank you. I am now a maximalist. His his reasoning for it, just to thicken it up a bit, is what he says. (laughs) I'm like, I guess it would do that. Just thickening. It's like pouring cornstarch in it. I mean, that's not why you do something in a movie, sir. Please don't do that. But anyway, that's, that's, that's the Ridley Scott we have now. Luckily, we had him this way back then. Yeah. So I did, in watching this, as David was saying, watching, going minute by minute is very interesting because, yes, this moment uh, is largely wordless, but it also helps me to realize, like, oh, yeah, there is a moment when we're cutting away to Parker, you know, going to refuel that thing, and he specifically has waved off company. You know, he, and as we've seen, if you're alone on this ship, you're going to be killed by the alien. And so I find myself wondering... Uh, if, if this were my first time watching and I didn't know the outcome or if I was, if I were in the audience when the first, when the film first came out, would I see that brief moment, which is only about, you know, 20 seconds, but very, if I saw that, would I immediately think, okay, we've now cut to Parker who is alone. He's about to die. Like, would I think that? And I'm not really sure, and of course it's it's impossible to say now because I do know the the ultimate outcome, and I understand the need to put that scene in because it shows a passage of time so that we can then imagine Ripley walking over to Mother. You don't want to have one right after another, and so it kind of breaks that up a little bit. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, that scene is is inter- that moment is very interesting to me. Uh, do you guys have any particular response to it? Well, I was going to say that um, this is a director's cut change here. Um, this Parker, I call it like the Parker action man scene. Where he's just <laughs> kind of like prancing. He's, he's just like being an action man. This isn't in the director's cut. And it probably explains why they don't cut away from Ripley until she stands up. There's a bit of, I think, cutting on it on motion uh, going on there. Where before we were yeah. cutting from Ripley's close up to action they decided to add a little motion so that she's basically going right into the corridor to mother. So they move right into that. And I, I agree. I think as an editorial choice, just from a standpoint of flow, I don't dislike the scene of him. I think it's nice to break that and have a little passage of time. It doesn't serve any other purpose. At least it didn't in my mind until you brought it up in the context that you brought it up. in. I never really thought about that because it doesn't last quite long enough. Usually the, the yeah. man alone on the ship or the like the Brett scene is very drawn out and the tension's built up. And yeah. since there's none of that here, it never occurred to me to think that. Yeah, and I don't think it's a thing that, that I'm thinking very long because I don't have very long to think it. But I just think like the minute we cut to him, again, just it might just be a flash of thought that, oh, okay, so we're about to see Parker die. Um, but yeah, and I will say that, so I did see uh, the director's cut. I think that's what I actually saw. Um, when they released the 25th anniversary thing back into theaters, I think I saw the director's cut, and I believe the version that I saw, because I think there's been a few, um, the scene that I love with Dallas talking to Mother about how do I neutralize the alien and typing in what are my chances and that sort of thing, that was removed, and then this thing with Parker uh, was removed, and it and it bothered me because it's just like these are director these are decisions being made in retrospect these are decisions being made to lessen the ensemble nature and to emphasize ripley as the lead 
you know, if we if we just jump right into Dallas's death scene and don't have him contemplate what it might be, uh, then he's less of a character. You know, when we cut from Ripley saying, I have access to mother, and then she goes into goes to talk to mother, the emphasis is directly on her and less on other people. And by cutting to Parker right now, even if I don't think he's going to die, it just it checks in with the this other member of the crew who, whether we feel it or not, is doing something kind of dangerous and has opted to do it in a dangerous way. And I don't know, I, I, I like the structure of this more than the director's cut because this continues the idea that though Ripley has been established as the primary lead at the moment, she's still part of a larger ensemble. She could still die. Um, and I don't know, it just... Uh, I really like that decision uh, to just to check in with Parker. You've totally illuminated that for me because I was always struggling with that cut, especially after I saw the director's cut and it was gone. I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'm kind of glad it's gone because I never really remember it. But you're absolutely right. That is a that is a great reading of it, that it reestablishes the fact that we're still in an ensemble movie, which in many ways makes it a more dangerous movie. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Battleshippretension.com, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, does anybody else have anything? We should end on that note. That yes, was That's absolutely. a high note to end on. We'll head into Mother for the next thing. So wait, what was that website that you just mentioned? I don't know, David. Uh, Battleshippretension.com is where you can find uh, everything Battleship Pretension. Uh, and you can uh, e- email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. And uh, we are on Twitter at Tyler Pretension and Davey Pretension. And we are at alienminute.com, uh, also on Twitter at alienminutepod, on Instagram at alienminutepodcast. Oh, you can email me at john at alienminute.com. I forget to say that all the time. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where you can come on and have a discussion with us about whatever you think about the show. And we'll see you tomorrow for minute number 80.